0: Now, I'm just been debating if I wanted to say this or not, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it, all right? I, uh, I'm mad at old people. I'm mad at old people. And I didn't say I was mad at old people here. I just said I'm mad at some old people. So not, I've known a lot of old people in my ministry, in my life, and a lot of those old people give me a lot of good advice. And as I think about some of that advice that they've given to me, I get a little angry sometimes when I finally figured out what they didn't tell me. And when a lot of those old people didn't tell me, got me fuming, I wish they would have gotten me prepared. I wish they would have warned me. But none of these old people that I've known all my life ever told me, John, look, what's going to happen is one day you're going to wake up. One day you're going to be going about your daily business. You're going to be doing things that you always do, doing things that you're used to doing, but you're just going to realize something. You're slower than you used to be. (laughs) Why ain't nobody tell me that? Nobody said, John, one day, they told me, oh, your knees are going to hurt. They said, oh, you're going to eat less. But they never said, John, you're just going to wake up and realize you're just not as quick as you used to be. Thanks, old people. (laughs) And to you young people, don't ever say that another older person didn't warn you. I'm telling you today, you're going to wake up one day, you think you're fast today, one day it's going to be gone just like that. So enjoy it while you can. And all the old people said... See, I didn't say you were old. You just took that upon yourself to. <laughs> if the shoe fits, right? Do <laughs> you know what? It's not all bad. Slowing down at some things. Did you know that uh, we found out that it takes one twentieth of a second for us. To make a judgment about somebody else. So you see somebody for the first time and what we learn is that in one twentieth of a second you've already decided if you like that person or not. In one twentieth of a second you've already decided that's a good person or not. In one twentieth of a second you've already decided what kind of person that is. How good or useful that can be to you or to what you're doing. In one twentieth of a second you've figured out everything you need to know about the person you've just met. And then, you know, it takes us one-twentieth of a second to, to make that kind of assumption about people. And then we want to say things like, well, they just didn't make a good first impression. One-twentieth of a second, y'all. Slow down. Right. If you think about how, with one-twentieth of a second, that we can make all these kinds of judgments about people and and the kinds of things that we can pretend to know about people so quickly you might think this is something new but if you were listening to our scripture read a little while ago you realize this is no news to God at all this is nothing new to God God has always known this about us so let me frame uh, the text for you Um, King Saul was the first king of the Israelites right And after some time, King Saul lost his favor. There's a lot of reasons why we won't get into that. But what you need to know is that King Saul no longer has the favor of God. He's actually been, the text says, rejected by God. And God has told the prophet Samuel, now you must go find a new king. Whereas before, maybe it was a little happenstance how uh, he stumbled upon Samuel as king. This time, God is saying, I need you to go here to see this person so that you can choose who I tell you to choose. That's the framework for where we are in this text. God has told the prophet Samuel where to go, whose house to go to. Now, as we're here in this text, I want you to pay attention to a couple of things. The first thing is, okay, you're reading, you know what's going on in the story, but nobody else does. The prophet Samuel goes to the people. He has some fears, some probably real fears. The people don't know why he's there. The prophet Samuel is told to go to the house of Jesse. Jesse doesn't know why he's there. And as he's there in Jesse's house, he meets Jesse's sons. The sons don't know why he's there. And David doesn't even know why he's there. All this seems to be happening in some level in in Samuel's mind. That Samuel isn't telling anybody about what's going on, why he's really there, and what he's really doing. I need you to appreciate that, because (laughs) how awkward do you think that was for Samuel? God tells Samuel, go. Samuel says, Lord, if I go, you know how things are right now politically. People are scared. Our king is worried himself. I mean, if they find out what I'm doing He's going to want to kill me. And sure enough, as Samuel goes to, to the city, it's about a five mile walk from him. As he goes to the city, the text said that the people are trembling, right? They're scared. Oh, no. Here comes this prophet of God. And I know sometimes we get images of prophets in our mind. Prophets today are these people who, you know, tell you how rich you're going to be and how good your life is going to be. But look at Old Testament prophets. Nobody would like to see them guys coming. Because any time they came, they had the word from God, and we didn't want to hear from God, because that word's just going to be something bad, right? So the prophet comes, and the people are trembling. Oh, no, don't bring your, your God stuff to us today. But Samuel's already been told how to sort of mellow that out. Oh, don't worry. I'm just here to see a friend. I'm just here to do a sacrifice. I'm just here to do some church stuff. Don't worry. Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. At this point, I think it's good for us to stop and, and appreciate how hard that must have been for Samuel. Because God doesn't tell Samuel who he's going to pick either. He just says, go and pick the one I tell you. And in troubled times, like the people are facing trembling so much because they're so worried about everything going on around them. It seems like there's a good message for us to hear and to hear again that we've got to be willing to listen to the voice of God. We've got to be willing to do that anyway. We've got to be willing to slow down and, and to listen for the Spirit's calling, but maybe even more as everything around us seems so tumultuous that everything around us feels like it's falling apart and everybody's fearful and trembling. Maybe that's an even more perfect time for us as people of God to say, let's slow down. And listen for what God is trying to tell us. I mean, I know there's nothing going on in our world and our nation that got anybody disturbed right now. I mean, everything's going perfectly for everybody right now. Right. But when things later on get a little scary for folk, maybe the church of God could say, slow down, y'all. Maybe God wants to tell us something. Y'all with me? So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and again, he doesn't tell him why he's there. He says, hey, I need to see your, your boys. I need to see your children. This is the prophet of God, okay? Whatever the prophet of God says, okay. So, of course, in this culture, but we kind of understand it as well, there's something, there's something about being the firstborn, right? But certainly in this culture, the firstborn has certain authority and power and privilege and right, okay? And as a firstborn myself, let me just say amen, okay? Now, you babies of the family, you guys, uh, blah, 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 blah. and uh, You think you run the world, but you don't run nothing. It's all about the firstborns. And, but I know some of you are thinking, well, you forgot about the middle child, but you guys get forgotten anyway, so it's no big deal, right? <laughs> <coughs> but Samuel tells Jesse, bring out your children. And one by one, the text says that the boys came out. And of course... As the firstborn comes out, the first son, you, you can almost see it in Samuel's eyes. Oh, God, thank you for making this easy. Of course, it's the firstborn. Of course, it would be the firstborn of the family, the first male of the family. Of course, this would be who you'd want me to choose. Of course, look at him. He's strapping. Look at him. He's, he's a good looking. He's a young man. He's, he's ready to go. Of course, this is the one you want me to pick. And God says, nope. Okay, okay, okay. Bring in number two. Number two, not too far behind number one, comes in, and Samuel says, of course. Of course it's got to be number two. If it's not number one, it's number two. Of course I know that. Oh, look at him, a good-looking young man. Oh, you're going to make a fine king. Oh, look at you. You're built strong. You're smart. You are the one. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. Bring in brother number three. Okay, bring in brother number three. Yeah, of course. You know, 120th of a second, right? Yes. God says. Nope. One by one, this text says that we go from one brother to the next brother to the next brother to the next brother. And finally, Samuel has to say, Is that all the kids you got? And Jesse says, Well, I mean, I mean, there's David, he's the young one. He's out in the fields working right now. I didn't even tell him to come. I didn't even waste his time or my time or your time. No, he's not here, but he's the only one I got left. <sighs> well, God ain't told me nothing yet. So bring in that little guy. And I, and I have a vision in my mind. I don't know if it's actually correct, but I just, you know, trying to feel my way into the story. I see Samuel there, and the boys are like, you know, what is this all about? What's going on here? And they're all sitting around this room, whatever it looks like, standing at one point, just standing there. Samuel says, we're not going to sit down until he comes. And so David walks in, young David, who's been out in the fields working with the sheep, who's been doing his chores and doing what his family has asked him to do. He comes in the door. And I just kind of see Samuel thinking, God, you sure what number two? God says... That's the one. And what Samuel learned that day is a lesson I think all of us need to rehear and relearn that God sees differently than us. Thank God. Because you and I have this nasty, (laughs) this nasty habit of seeing everything out here and making up our minds without figuring out What's actually in here? I know I'm probably preaching to the choir, right? But the choir needs Jesus too, don't they? Amen. But you know how we are. If someone doesn't dress the right way. If someone doesn't speak the right way. If someone don't come from the right side of town. Well, you know about them people, right? If they don't speak like me if they don't look like me if they don't cook like me if they don't do anything like me i already know everything i need to know about them sisters and brothers that's who we tend to be let's be real about it if i'm saying anything that's wrong please tell me but i know myself i know us that's how we tend to see things But thank god god sees differently Thank God that God doesn't have the vision that we have. That God has a deeper, more faithful vision of who we are. So we have to realize that in our life together, there are things that God sees, there are things that we see. And we've got to figure out where we want to be. We've got to figure out, as God's people... As people who have been saved by the grace of God, where are we going to be? I can tell you, and I bet you can already guess, where God expects and wants us to be. It's a great song. It's got a few years on it. Some of you probably used to hear it on the radio. But the chorus used to say, give me, your, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I've been missing. Something else, but give me, give me your eyes. God, give me your eyes. My vision's a little suspect. We were doing one of our Sunday Bible studies, and I won't say names. I didn't, I didn't um, ask to share this by name, but one of our Bible studies, we were talking about our willingness to, to listen to other people and to give other people uh, time of our day and, and to open ourselves up invite people into our lives and someone said in our study uh, and I think the question was something like who are some people that we're just not willing to listen to Who are we? some people that we've just shut off and, and turned away just because of, by who, who they are and, and someone said well I need to think about hippies and he said you know a long time ago we didn't want to listen to them hippies and maybe we should have listened to some of them hippies we didn't listen to the hippies because of what they were doing but if we were listen, willing to listen to some of what they were saying, maybe we would have been better off. But because we didn't like what they were doing and what they looked like and how they were sounding, we weren't willing to listen to some of what they were saying. Sisters and brothers, God sees deeper than we see. And you and I have to be willing to see deeper. As well, It's a great story that came out this week. Maybe some of you have seen it. Uh, it's in the Clear Lake area, I believe. Uh, matter of fact, can you show me one of those pictures? Uh, there's this man who, uh, as the story is told, for three years sat in the exact same place on the street corner. Day in and day out, he sat there, he stood there, rain, snow, snow, Houston, rain, um, heat, whatever weather conditions. For three years, man stood out in the corner, the same exact place. And one day, there was a woman, actually, the story is told again. There's actually a lot of people who kind of wonder, why is that guy there every day, the same spot? What's he doing? Well, this curiosity and this sort of egging on in her spirit, if you will, kind of got the best of her. She decided to stop and have a little conversation with this man. And long story short, what what happened was this spot, if you can go back, please, this spot. This spot was the very last place that this man, young man, last saw his mother. You see, for three years, dealing with mental conditions and other health issues, this young man was drawn to this place in the hopes that his mother would come back for him. And it wasn't until someone stopped and said, Sir, what's your story? What's going on? Now, you can guarantee, as some people passed him on the street corner every single day, that they made some judgments. They probably thought in their mind, Oh, I know why he's there. They probably figured out in their mind, I know all about him. I heard that story a thousand times. This woman pulled over She realized that this was just a life, a soul, that needed something from God. Just like that. Just like that. And so this isn't just the man who stood on the street corner uh, for three years. This is Victor. And Ginger was the lady who pulled over and uh, she started a... a, There's Ginger there. She started a, a... a GoFundMe account for him, uh, for people to actually get to know him. She started a Facebook page as well. People who kind of had the same wonderings, well, who is that guy? We see him every day. What's his story? She found a way to tell his story, to introduce him to the people that for so long had just passed him by, making their judgments every single day. And my point to you is this, sisters and brothers. How many more stories are there out there that just need somebody to stop making judgments and to see someone as God sees them. <laughs> what if we, you and I, could take just an extra one twentieth of a second before we make a judgment on someone? Or, what if we even did something better and said, God, God, Help me to see myself. Help me to see other people. Help me to see this world the way you do. Because, sisters and brothers, the way God sees us is far greater than the way we see each other. So, if you want the eyes and the vision of God to be what guides you, to be how you interact with each other and other people that you meet. I want you to pray with me. And I want you to understand that's not always an easy thing to do, but by the grace of God, with the Spirit's help, we can do it. Oh, precious Lord, we thank you for how you see us. You see our blemishes, you see our sin, you see everything about us, God, but you see us with eyes of love and grace, and you accept us as such. Forgive us, Lord, when we haven't been willing to see each other in the same way. Forgive us for the judgments that we've made about other people and for the ways that we have pushed others away just because of what we thought we knew about them. But help us now to see life, to see each other through your eternal eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, amen.